0: Coming up on Stew Does America, the liberal cancellation machine has gone into hyperactive mode, and now we're losing Aunt Jemima. Mm. Great, I guess I will eat the pancakes, maybe the Joe Biden style, drowning Geritol or something like that. We'll figure it out together. Tommy Horowitz gives us a report from the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle if he survives to taping time. And Ali Beth Stuckey unites the great conservative celebrities from around the country to accomplish one very simple and world-saving goal. You guys have been great at liking and commenting our videos on YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, just, just click the up the, the thumbs up button right now. Just predict you're going to like the show. You, you're going to be right. Don't worry. That sort of engagement really helps us in our push to keep this stupid show on the air and food on the table for my kids that I haven't eaten already. I mean, obviously. And support this network and join our fight to keep this country from beginning uh, a, a, a path to idiocracy part two just head to blaze slash stew enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and i get to take 10 bucks off your price i'm pretty much a savings superhero i challenge you to stuff as much food into your face while the show open plays as you can because tonight's episode is probably going to leave you hungry for pen for racial justice
1: stew does america <laughs>
0: Let me start by saying something that is going to shock a lot of people. Aunt Jemima did not kill George Floyd. Has Aunt Jemima been the cause of death and a lot of people who really like pancakes? Sure. Yes, she has. But George Floyd was murdered, not by a syrup bottle or a pancake mix or anyone's aunt. He was murdered by the guy who was charged with murder. Aunt Jemima was not charged with murder. Tough facts, huh? Though I know it's tough uh, to know by the tone of the Aunt Jemima's parent company, yeah, Aunt Jemima's not guilty here. The VP of Quaker Foods said in a statement, we recognize Aunt Jemima's origins are based on a racial stereotype. While work has been done over the years to update the brand in a manner intended to be appropriate and respectful, we realize those changes are not enough. She went on, we are starting by removing the image and changing the name. We will continue the conversation by gathering diverse perspectives from both our organization and the black community to further evolve the brand and make it one that everyone can be proud to have in their pantry. Look, there's no doubt. Uh, judging by today's standards, there were significant racial stereotypes used in the branding of Aunt Jemima. Historically, the company was started by white people in 1889 and eventually failed and then was sold. The new owners wanted a real person to play Aunt Jemima. All right. Whose name, of course, came from minstrel shows. Again, it's 1889. Everybody is a racist. 100% of people are racist. It's 1889. They discovered Nancy Green and they gave her the gig. She was born a slave in 1834 and went on to play Aunt Jemima until her death. Some say she died a millionaire, although it's a bit questionable. But what isn't questionable is that the arc of her life was a positive one. It's easy to compare to today, but think of where she came from. She started life as a literal slave. She died free, relatively wealthy, as a missionary and a woman who organized one of the biggest churches in Chicago. No wonder she is so offensive to the left. Do you think Nancy Green died wanting people to look back at her life as some sort of racially offensive thing to be ashamed of? I think she died proud of how far she came. Or how about Anna Harrington? She was the second Aunt Jemima. She played the part for 14 years, and because of that job, she bought a 22-room house that was so big, she used some of it as a hotel. I bet she would want us to look back at her life and be impressed, not just think about how she was oppressed. What we need to be remembering here is, thinking people, is that these things change meaning over time. Volkswagen meant people's car, and they had the worst spokesperson of all time. His name was Adolf. We now know it as a kind of hippie car for suburban ski moms. Hugo Boss literally designed the Nazi uniforms. What does that mean for their suits of today? Are you a Nazi if you own one? No. There is a book called IBM and the Holocaust. I was not a business major, but I do know this. You do not want your company name to come before the phrase and the Holocaust. Bad. What does that mean for them today? Do you hate Jews if you own one of their laptops? No, we all understand that the people around today that work at IBM don't hate Jews and we're able to learn from their history without holding people responsible who weren't even alive at the time. Look, if you're going to pull Aunt Jemima, you might as well pull everything off the market that's more than a few years old. Everyone and everything from the past is offensive to us today, if you go back far enough. And again, I'll go out on a limb and generalize. Everyone was racist in 1889. All people were racist. Scientific fact. But if you polled African-Americans in both of those eras, how many black women would switch places with Nancy Green and Anna Harrington? Like probably almost all of them. Yes, a lot of the imagery was entirely unacceptable, but that's why you change it over time, which they did. And today's Aunt Jemima was holding on to the name, but also has nothing to do with the racist stereotypes anymore. None of this is the worst part of the story, though. The worst part is the subtle progressive racism involved in all of this. This idea that white people understand this stuff better than minorities and then can therefore inform non-whites about how they should be offended. This happens with Native Americans all the time. White people tell them they should be offended by the name Redskins and they say, shut up. We'll let you know if we're offended or not. How about that? 90% of Native Americans are not offended by the name Redskins. What is vastly underreported is that the same exact thing is happening with Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima is the largest syrup brand in the United States, with about three times the amount of customers as Mrs. Butterworth and Log Cabin, and about four times as much as Hungry Jack. Also, I now really want pancakes. But who is buying Aunt Jemima syrup? You'd think, if this was truly a racist product, that African Americans would avoid buying it, right? Right? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Let's see. Corporate research firm, uh, firm, excuse me, Numerator, took the snapshot of the people who buy Aunt Jemima and their findings might surprise you. The way this works essentially is a zero to 200 scale with 100 being average. So let's look quickly to get the idea at income level. There's not much difference here, basically. The uh, you know, scores all range from 95 to 107, right around that 100 average. The lowest and highest income groups like Aunt Jemima a little more, and those in the middle a little less, but not much variance between the groups. That is not the story when it comes to race. With all these evil racist white people out there, you'd think white people would be off the charts. But no. Remember, 100 is average. Whites come in a little below that with a score of 88. How about African-Americans? Now, remember, this product is so racist, I'd assume no African-Americans will buy it. What is their score? 197. Remember, literally a perfect score would be 200 and it's at 197. The people who really love Aunt Jemima are African-Americans. They are the ones buying it in enormous numbers. The media and the left are once again trying to tell black people when they should be offended and what they should be offended by. It's a subtle way of talking down to people. Oh, honey, you don't understand. This is bad for you and you shouldn't like it. I mean, 197 out of 200. Is there anything in your entire life You'd rate a 197 out of 200? Prince Andrew wouldn't even give a 197 out of 200 to 16-year-old girls. And this is the point. We are telling black people that Aunt Jemima is offensive. And they are telling us, shut up. We wouldn't be buying it if we were offended by it. Let us eat our frigging pancakes in peace. And the brilliant solution to everyone's white guilt is to take uh, one of African-Americans' favorite products off the market. Gee, thanks, white people. Look again at this statement from the company. We are starting by removing the image and changing the name. We will continue the conversation by gathering diverse perspectives from both our organization and the black community to further evolve the brand and make it one everyone can be proud to have in their pantry. They are proud to have it in their pantry. Proud enough to bust their ass at work to earn money and then spend it on your freaking syrup. And then you're telling them they're not smart enough to figure out for themselves what to buy. No syrup bottle is capable of being more racist than that. By the way, you know who really hates Aunt Jemima? Asians. (laughs) They only had a score of 49 out of 200. Why, you ask? I have no idea. I just thought it was interesting. And by the way, our own Sarah Gonzalez, who tweeted this. The only offensive thing about uh, Aunt Jemima is that so many people still buy that nasty ass corn syrup garbage instead of actual maple syrup. Don't at me. Well, uh, she's way out of step with her fellow Hispanics who also freaking love Aunt Jemima. A score of 175 out of 200. Look, sometimes these controversies are completely ridiculous. But Aunt Jemima does have some stuff from back in the day that uh, looks straight out racist and even pretty racially insensitive by old timey standards. But things change. You'd think the crowd that embraces the argument that the Constitution is a living document would understand that brands can evolve regardless of how people believe and how people uh, have used them in the past. What year is it? It's 2020. Redskins just means football team now, period. Aunt Jemima just means breakfast. Coca-Cola just means soda, not fizzy cocaine drink. This bizarre habit society has developed of self-therapy through cancellation of others accomplishes precisely nothing. Aunt Jemima did not kill George Floyd, and no amount of removing breakfast foods from the market can bring him back to life. I will say after all of that, the one thing we can all agree on is I really like pancakes and want some right now. Now, this is not a uh, this is not this had nothing to do with me just wanting a bunch of pancakes. Thank you very much. This is. <clears throat> this was research and history because I went to the store and I went to the syrup aisle and I wanted to get some at syrup. You know what? When to hear something sad, they've already pulled it off the shelves. It's already all gone. So, what did I do? I mean, I certainly wasn't going to kill the whole thing about eating pancakes. So, I got the next one on the list. Got some Mrs. Buttersworth. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because you know she's toast. Oh, there's a cup. Oh, one of these dumb tops at the top here. She's toast. I mean, Mrs. Butterworth is... uh, She has no chance of survival. You know, all these brands are going down the tubes. Okay, we're going to have nothing left on the shelves. We're going to be Venezuela in about two weeks. I mean, so a little Mrs. Buttersworth. And you might say... Stu, you know, I'm disappointed in you. You went to a store you could not find. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, there's a little where the knife was. There's a little hole for syrup in the middle. You might be disappointed in me. i might say I didn't go far enough. How come you didn't get some Aunt Jemima? I mean, Mrs. Butterworth. Sure. She's toast. She's basically going to be going to prison soon anyway. But you might say they they just took them off the shelves. And I say, yeah, but see, I outsmarted them. I also went to the pancake mix section and I found one of the last two boxes of Aunt Jemima anywhere in the country. So now I own it. I'm going to sell it for thousands of dollars on eBay. And then I'm going to give it to Mrs. Butterworth because she's going to need it for her legal defense fund. I will tell you this. 12 pancakes is not going to get enough stress out of your life. Honestly, it's a little rubbery, to be frank with you. I think they've been cooling over there for a while.
1: Yeah. Who does America?
2: All right.
0: It's all. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a, I, I ate that, that those pancakes very quickly. Yeah. It's a whole new world out there and uh, we are faced with new challenges. You see the ones we're talking about every single day on this show. You know what's gone on the last few months. Uh, if you need legal help to overcome some of your problems, LegalZoom is there for you. I will tell you this. I'm a longtime LegalZoom uh, subscriber and user. I'm a Legal Advantage subscriber, which is a great service where you pay a little monthly fee. Whenever you need a lawyer to ask questions, they're there for you. Um, maybe you've been wondering about the best way to protect your family, or maybe you're thinking about starting a business, but you don't know the best way to do it. Don't let legal questions uh, hold you down. LegalZoom has been dedicated to helping you with the right solutions for more than 19 years. Uh, If you're looking to protect your family with a will or living trust, I've gone through this process with LegalZoom. It's fantastic. If you want to start a business with a DBA or an LLC, a nonprofit or more, LegalZoom has got you covered. I've started a business through LegalZoom. Uh, It's easy to get started online. And if you need guidance, their network of attorneys can provide advice to ensure, to make you through the right, cho- uh, bring you through the right choices. They've helped me go through real estate transactions and the other business transactions. They're just a great team and it's a great way for you to, I don't know, I get intimidated by talking to lawyers, honestly. LegalZoom has made this entire process easy. When I do need legal help, when I do have a legal question, LegalZoom is there. Visit LegalZoom.com today to take care of some important things uh, that you need to get done And for special savings, be sure to use the code stew at checkout because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And LegalZoom.com will take care of you. LegalZoom.com, code is stew. LegalZoom.com, code stew, where life meets legal. Ami Horowitz has an incredible ability to dive into the murkier parts of the left and not only document the craziness for the rest of us, but somehow survive the process. So it's no surprise he found his way into the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, AKA CHAZ, or CHOP. He spoke with one of the leaders of the movement, and what he found is really something else. Take a look.
1: I'm not here to peacefully protest, I'm here to disrupt until my demands are met. You cannot rebuild. Until you break it all the way down. Respond to the demands of the people or prepare to be met with any means necessary. By any means necessary. That's not just a slogan. No. No. No, it's not a slogan. It's not even a warning. I'm letting people know what comes next. A response to violence is not violence itself.
0: Wow. Uh, That's not horrifying at all. Uh, Joining me now is the one and only Ami Horowitz. Ami, you could take her and plop her into the middle of a Purge sequel and not miss a beat.
1: Yeah, that was some pretty scary stuff. And let me tell you, she believed every word of it. Uh, None of that was, uh, I mean, it may have been rehearsed, but believe me, everything she said came straight from the heart. Not from her. I mean, she was one of the lead organizers of, of um, Black Lives Matter Seattle and of um, uh, Chaz Chop. So, yeah, that's some serious stuff right there, man. Some serious stuff. She looks,
0: I mean, right into your eyes. I don't even know if she blinks. <laughs> I, I, I'm obsessed with her because she is so serious and she's staring at you like with these like almost like sullen eyes. I mean, she's just staring at you saying this is what's going to happen uh, to you. Was it intimidating talking to these people?
1: Well, okay, so I'll I'll tell you kind of the story about kind of how this thing played out. So I went down there because obviously that was you know me. If I see something crazy <laughs> like that, I, I got to be there. Of course. And uh, you know, obviously I went I went to the consulate, the Chaz consulate in New York, got my visa stamped, and you know, and, and headed down there. <laughs> you know, when we first enter, so there it is kind of like a like a it is true. It's like a street fair, carnival kind of atmosphere, um, on the surface, right? But if you just scratch this a, a little bit, the veneer starts to come off and you see the ugliness of, of what's really going on. So what happened was, you know, we get in there, walk in, when you walk in, there's no problem. Nobody, nobody's looking for IDs, nobody's checking you. And you, you go through these barricades and immediately people, this is before they recognized me, by the way, when they recognized me, it got really ugly. Mm. But th- these people came up to us because we had a camera crew and they started threatening us. They're going to kill us. They're going to beat us up. And we kind of ignored them and and kept moving. And then soon thereafter, these two fully armed people in full like military kit, you know, came up to us, you know, flak jackets, the whole thing. And they started interrogating me and my crew and asking us, what are we doing here? What's our purpose? And at some point they let us go as well. And then we started actually asking the, um, you know, the basic questions, which the video kind of shows just absolutely horrifying. You know, first of all, I think it's really important to note this, okay? That that I know that the mainstream media, which by the way is is is, is it's media malpractice, what what they're trying to purvey to the American public, um, they're not asking any of the right questions. If you ask almost any of the protesters, and, and over the course of me being in Minneapolis, I was there during the riots. I witnessed an American city being burned down. Uh, I was I, I spoke to the protesters in New York, and obviously in in Chaz Um and I probably spoke to over a hundred different quote unquote protesters, and I asked them. A very basic question. Do you justify the violence? And with almost no exception, with almost no exception, every single one said, absolutely, we could justify it. The violence is necessary. It's needed by any means necessary, as she said over and over again. So I want to make this abundantly clear. The protesters and the rioters, to me, are two sides of the same coin.
0: Mm, uh, that's really interesting because... One of the things you hear from protesters when you really drill down is look at the difference in the coverage between when cities were on fire and now. And their point is, when cities are on fire, you guys are all paying attention to us and our cause. When they're not on fire, you're not paying attention to us. I think at some level that's actually true. It's completely a horrible justification, but it's actually true. Um I, how do you stop this if they if if these protesters continue to learn that lesson?
1: Well, I mean, as horrifying as it is, whether it be true or not, it, it is it is obviously morally wrong in, in every way imaginable. Um look, the problem is that they are. The protesters are are feeding oxygen to the fi- pun intended to the fire of these rioters. Uh, it won't end until we break that cycle, and the cycle will not be broken until the media, the mainstream media, wakes up to that fact. Uh, we're gonna, this is going to continue to happen. Look, do you know what's going to happen? They over obviously they overcharged. They shouldn't charge these officers in Atlanta at all, but they obviously overcharged them by. But frankly, they overcharged the of, the the officer in 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 Minneapolis. I'm not sure they're going to be able to, pro- to get a conviction on second degree murder. They absolutely overcharged the, the police officer in Atlanta. I don't think he's going to get by a grand jury. You want to see fire and destruction. You wait to see if a grand jury simply kicks out the charge um, for for the guy, for the officer in Atlanta or, or you know, quit on mm-hmm. secondary murder charges of the officer in, in, in Minneapolis. So this won't, this is not going to end. This is going to continue, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. We're going to see this happen over and over again until we make clear that this is simply not acceptable on any level.
0: We've got about one minute left here Ami. I think you know, the Atlanta thing to me is kicking the can down the road. Right. It's passing the buck. It's saying I'll overcharge. And you know what? It'll it'll stop the riots for today. And then down the road, if someone else overturns it, it's not on me. I charged him. You know, I I went over the I went crazy. I made sure I was holding them responsible. I think that's a tactic in a way. Um, If you see Chaz, you see a Chaz Chop, as you call it. um, What is the right thing to do? The police seem to want to go in there and break it up. We've seen that happen in Nashville. We've seen it happen in Portland. These autonomous zones are coming and going in every other city. The mayor does not seem to want to allow that. Uh, What exactly is the right thing to do in this situation?
1: Oh, break it up. That's the only answer. This cannot continue. You cannot have autonomous zones across America. Look, I have, you know, I don't know if you know this or remember this, but I, I went to the the no go zones in Sweden. Oh, yeah. I went to no go zones in France. I got my, my butt kicked in Sweden in a no go zone. This is what you're going to be. Ha- you're you're going to have these in America. It's unacceptable. You go in and you kick some butt. That's the bottom line. I mean, you have, you have tons of people living there. Who cannot live a normal life? As this goes on, it is unacceptable. And the and the more you kowtow to these people, the more you continue to say, "Hey, we're going to give you some space." The more this is going to happen. That's the answer. We got to go in. We got to break. We got to break this thing up.
0: Ami Horowitz, Make sure to follow him on Twitter. What's the best place for everyone to find the video?
1: Uh, my YouTube, Facebook, it's all over the place. It's allihorce.com. It. You'll all find over it.
0: it. You'll find it. Just go find it. Ami Horowitz. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on the program. <laughs> we'll tweet it. it out as well from uh at Studos America. Back in a second. Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. It's true. You know it's true. Everybody knows it's true. Andrew Cuomo is just absolutely awful. Terrible in every way. Um, he did want to point out, though, to, James, uh, to Joe Biden. And, you know, since he's terrible, this, you'd think there'd be a fit here. He wanted to say that uh, he will not accept a cabinet position if asked. <laughs> Why would you think you'd be asked to do anything for anyone after what you've done to New York, uh, especially Joe Biden? I mean, I'd be terrified of Andrew Cuomo if I was Joe Biden. If he was in the cabinet, I, he'd have Joe Biden in a nursing home in like five minutes. And uh, you know what happens when Andrew Cuomo puts you in a nursing home. It's not good things. I mean, Andrew Cuomo is awful. uh, Dot com. Also, uh, I want to tell you about uh, the new Showtime series uh, about Donald Trump. It's based on James Comey's book, which I guess people there's somebody out there that still likes James Comey. I was under the impression nobody liked him because the right liked him at the beginning because he, he mentioned Hillary Clinton in that press conference. And then at the last second, Uh, came out with the uh, whole new investigation thing and the right, the right was very appreciative of that. And then uh, he, then the right turned on him obviously. And the left has always hated him. It's been a while uh, since I thought anyone liked him. Apparently Showtime liked him enough to give him a bunch of money. I guess it was Trump bashing. So that makes sense. And you might say, and I think with good reason, Oh, here we go. Showtime coming out with yet another, uh, you know, they're coming out to try to take Donald Trump out right before the election. You know, they're going to try to trash him, whatever. Well, they just released the first image of the uh, of the series. Here it is. And you can see kind of a profile of Donald Trump uh, looking. It looks a little bit like Donald Trump. I guess the actor is uh, Brendan Gleeson, who you'd probably remember from uh, his most important work, Lake Placid, about the giant alligator killing people in a lake. Um, But uh, actually, what's interesting about this is Showtime is airing the series in November after the election which is very strange to me. I'm surprised they're not trying to take Trump out, but I guess not. Uh, Last uh, thing, uh, oh gosh, I don't know if I want to do this story. Gwyneth Paltrow has a new candle out, and I don't want to tell you that much about it, honestly. There's something about Gwyneth Paltrow that I find repulsive, and I don't understand why. Now, everyone on Earth finds me repulsive, so I'm not saying this is a terrible thing, but like Gwyneth Paltrow is objectively good-looking. She's a celebrity, but she just creeps me out for some reason. Do we want to show the picture of her with a candle? I mean we can do it. You can you can show it if you want. I don't know if we have it. Yeah, there it is. There's the candle it is. Uh, it smells like her I mean it smells like her stuff as it usually seems to do. By the way, when she was introducing the candle, it was nice when her son came into the picture and started hanging out with her while she was talking about the candle. You know, I never really thought about how awful this must be for her kids. <laughs> I'm gonna try to stop thinking about that. So let me take a break. Back in a second. So you want a safe haven investment in times of turmoil, which I've got news for you. You're in the middle of it. Uh, How about gold? Uh, We're in the middle of a national crisis right now. As you know, we have massive increases in our national debt. We've added two trillion dollars to our national debt. I think within a month or two months, it is. This is insanity. Um, We are in a major uh, uh, economic um, crisis and it's more important than ever to prepare and protect your financial future. Gold is is actually had a good run. It's up thirty five percent, I think, in the last year, which is obviously great comparing to uh, all the other stuff you could be investing in. Uh, Market indicators point toward continued growth. and, And I think, you know, we've talked about gold for a while It's part of an investment portfolio. You put some money into gold because it is an insurance policy in a way um, for craziness. Uh, experts predict uh, that gold could hit $2,000 per ounce by next year. And with the economy and all the uncertainty going on, I would not be surprised. Nationwide Coin is a trusted source for precious metals with a 4.6 star rating on Trustpilot. Uh, they provide excellent customer service and fast delivery. Right now, Nationwide Coin and Bullion is, uh, Reserve is, uh, has, has got a great offer. I think you'll like this. While supplies last, you can get a one ounce Gold Eagle coin uh, at cost. For just $1,700. Check it out. If you want to invest a little money in gold, physical gold you can hold in your hand. Weight and purity are backed by the U.S. government. It's a great opportunity to safeguard your future. Give it a shot. If you haven't thought about this before, maybe now's the time. Call them, do your own homework, call Nationwide Coin at 800 489 3838. 800 489 3838. And mention that you heard about them on this little show. And, you know, the, it's, it's important. They need to know that. If you don't mention it, they won't know. That's why you like this stupid little show. Uh, that's uh, Nationwide Coin. Give them a call. Nationwide Coin, 800-489-3838. Go ahead and look outside your window. Are things on fire? Maybe. Maybe not. Is this to remember uh, the America that you remember? I mean, definitely not, right? Um, But I'm I'm here to tell you that you should not despair, because as with every national disaster we face in this country, our celebrities are here to save the day.
2: Imagine a world without injustice.
1: A world where we can all bravely say...
0: Injustice is bad. Racism is... Bad. Very bad. Like, super bad.
2: Until we're there, I'll be the one to stand up. To stand
0: up. And say this. Bad things are bad.
2: They're awful. And I don't like them. I will say something.
0: I will shout.
2: I will sing.
0: Until. Until. The bad is gone. I will fight injustice.
2: By posting a black square. A black
0: Square. I will offer solutions.
2: Solutions.
1: Like taking away guns or defunding the police.
2: Like telling working class people just to stop working to save lives.
0: Promoting socialism so no one will ever be as rich as I am. Finally stopping big oil and the big SUV, big, big companies, okay? But
2: we won't stop there. We
0: will take responsibility.
2: Responsibility. The only way we know how.
1: By showing how much we hate ourselves.
2: We hate ourselves.
1: I will. I will.
0: Reduce my pool time by five minutes a day.
2: Give up, chicken nuggets.
0: I will stop.
2: Wait a minute. Shave my eyebrows off. I'll do it just like completely.
0: Throw myself into a volcano. Waterboard myself with gasoline. Peel my skin off with a cheese grater and lock myself in a box full of scorpions and launch myself into the sun. Join us. Join us.
2: And let's change the world. Mm,
0: Wow. I, for one, feel much better about my life. Happy to welcome to the program Ali Beth Stuckey, of course, a host of Relatable right here on Blaze TV and author of the upcoming book, You're, You Are Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. Uh, Ali, that was great to be part of. I thank yes. you for that. Yes. It, it was good for us, I think, as celebrities to do the thing that that regular people can't do because yeah. we're better than them.
2: Right. Well, it took a lot of time and a lot of bravery and a lot of courage as well. Yeah. And a lot of, I don't know, stunning bravery, I would say, yeah. that uh, allowed us to be, you know, I don't know, just that much of a difference maker. <laughs>
0: yes, it's so true. And So
2: I don't know. I just kind of feel like the world has shifted and it's different and it's better now.
0: Yeah. I, for one, am proud of us.
2: Yeah, I'm very you know, I'm proud very of I'm very proud of what we I done. hate myself, but I also love myself yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe that I was trying <laughs> to put across.
0: This video blew up uh, on the internet, and you put this is 100% Ali. You put this thing together. You wrote the thing. You put it all together. It was awesome. It was really- I
2: picked a lot of funny people. Uh-huh. I was very purposeful in the people <laughs> that I picked. There were a lot of people that weren't included that are also very funny, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, who do I know? I won't have to give any direction. Right. I can just <laughs> give them lines, and they'll deliver it well in every single person completely came through and I was like that's perfect that's perfect that's perfect so thank you for being a part of it
0: oh please thanks for having me I mean it it really is it's an entertaining piece but it also tells such a real it tells a real story yeah this is what happens over and over again you know disaster after disaster celebrities have the same approach where they have this you know the soft music (laughs) and they repeat themselves over and over again they looked in the camera and they you know you could feel them acting these lines out I'm surprised that supposedly the most creative people in the country, they can't seem to come up with another approach to get this message across.
2: And they're not saying anything, yes. and that's part of the point that we tried to make in the video, is that you're not saying anything. Okay, you're so brave for saying the things that everyone believes, that bad things are bad. Ooh, yeah. good job. Like, you hate injustice, so do the rest of us. And what are you going to do about it? We're going to take responsibility. By doing what? By doing it. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking, what are you even saying? And so I, I mean, it's just, it's So funny beyond parody almost, (laughs) except we were able to do it just that these celebrities don't see their own privilege. That there are actually people that are hurting right now. There are people who are struggling. There are people who are suffering and maybe they're doing other things, too. But the thing that they think is going to make the biggest difference is a is a is a video montage. Yeah.
0: And it always is a video montage. Yeah. Um, I think you drilled down to something that's really fundamental to all of this, which is. Self-hatred. There is this, like, idea that if you're saying things about yourself that are bad, <laughs> you have elevated yourself above Very them. true. And, I, like, I, a lot of times you see these people who are doing these videos and they're admitting to terrible things. The last one, the, the responsibility <laughs> right. one, is, like, all of them basically saying, I think they're saying they're racist. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to support a racist. Why would I go to a movie of someone who's admitting to me that right. they are racist?
2: Right. Well, that is the religion of wokeism that we are seeing arise, particularly on the left is that it's not just enough to apologize for the things that you've actually done or the attitudes that you've actually displayed, but things that you haven't done, and maybe even attitudes that you don't have, but someone told you that you have them. So you have to pay penance for them. You have to be prostrate on your face and you have to so-called acknowledge your privilege. These are all like, it it seems like religious rites of passage a little bit. And in order to be woke enough, the first step, I guess, for these kinds of celebrities and these kinds of people is self-hatred but mm-hmm. you don't really hate yourself you no. wouldn't be making this montage if you hated yourself you love yourself yes. and that's the irony
0: yeah it's like a, it's almost like a uh, humble brag right yes. it's that way of putting yourself down but i'm really i'm really elevating myself Oh yeah uh, we talked a lot about this back in the obama era um which was collective salvation yeah you know this idea that uh, you know we all have to have salvation to have salvation um, and putting that, I, I think that there's an element of that. I would not say it's necessarily, uh, you know, most of the people probably aren't all that religious that make these videos, um, but there's an element of that. It's, it's like you can't be you can't just as an individual do the right thing unless we convince everyone in the world to do things exactly the way that we want them. It doesn't really count. That yeah. is not an, a healthy instinct.
2: No, it's this collectivist ideology, of course, that we have seen for a long time and that we're really seeing right now with collectivist justice. So collectivist innocence, you are innocent based on the particular uh, oppressive or uh, oppression group that you are perceived to be a part of, or you're guilty based on your skin color or whatever collectivist group that you are a part of. Of course, that doesn't translate into real justice because people are different no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their background is, no matter what group they're a part of. And that's why we're seeing mob justice. That's why we see justice by way of uh, social justice and social media activists and it ends in the devastation and the ruining of people's lives who aren't actually racist or aren't actually guilty but because they said the wrong thing today or they're part of the wrong group they're canceled forever
0: yeah and i think it's connected to uh, i mean because it's not even if you did something an example of this would be cops and live pd yeah you know getting canceled paw patrol like, paw patrol <laughs> chase is, is 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 in trouble yeah um, you know these are like the you know the people who are on live pd are cops just hold the same profession as someone you thought did something wrong yeah like that's an insane standard yeah. to hold obviously like it, there's you know, hundreds of thousands of police officers when one does ba- something bad we cancel all of the jobs of the others this is absurd right. um but i think it plays into the same thing where they're saying okay well unless all cops are perfect and have their collective salvation per se we can't honor any of them and that's yeah. that's, not, that's not that's not American.
2: And not only are we going to ascribe guilt to all police officers, we're actually going to abolish the police system based yeah. on the few bad cops who do exist. And I, that's the thing is that we can't have productive dialogues because all of us agree on the basics. I think that, OK, bad cops exist, that they should be punished if there are bad cops who do bad things, especially if they are racially motivated, which we don't know. They assume that we know the motivations of all bad cops. We don't know. But of course, we believe that there maybe could be reform. Maybe we should look into not having public unions like there are solutions that we can all talk about. But when they decide that an entire group is guilty and therefore it must be destroyed. Well, that's beyond the realm of reasonable conversation. And so we just end up talking over each other and getting in fights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I keep coming back to this idea because there's this sort of like. Academic sheen to this uh, of wokeism, right? Yeah. Like, and there's all these really smart professors that will tell you how how deep this is. But I can't keep help but keep coming back to the idea that these arguments are just childish. Yeah, the idea that you would cancel a name of a pancake syrup based on a terrible incident that happened, or a, a, you know a children's television show right. that, that features police in a positive light. Like, that is an argument a three-year-old might see see yeah. some logic in, but an adult should not.
2: Yeah, and let's actually have an argument about it. Like, you described it as an argument. It's not even an argument. They're not having arguments. They're just saying, okay, well, this statue is going to be taken down. Let's rip it down. Yeah. We could have a debate about that. We could have a discussion about that. Okay, you don't want to honor Confederate heroes. You would rather honor someone else. Okay, let's have that conversation. Sure. Totally fine with that. Yeah. But they're not willing to have the conversation. They're not willing to have the debate and the dialogue. And that's really what bothers me about cancel culture is that it's not debate culture. That's fine. It's cancel culture. Things are canceled without any conversation. That's a problem. How much
0: of this do you think is fear where these companies? Because I heard precisely zero leftists, even crazy people say that cops should be canceled. It wasn't even something that was requested, I don't think. It was like companies taking uh, preemptive action because they thought they might get in trouble for featuring police officers in a positive light. Is it just fear from these companies?
2: I think a lot of it is fear, yes, and maybe they have been convinced that it's the moral and the virtuous thing to do, and they want to pretend like they're moral and virtuous. But, you know, people have asked before, how do we end cancel culture? Of course, it's extending grace ourselves and refusing to join in the pylon, yeah. even when it might be politically expedient for us to do so. Um, but. I just wonder what would happen if we just ignored these people like I think it is a minority it's a loud (laughs) minority and they do have power you know they'll take away your advertisers they'll get people to unfollow you whatever um and they'll dox you I mean it's really scary and violent stuff of course but what if companies and brands and people just ignored them what if they said I'm not picking up the phone when you call like I am going to ignore you because I'm not a racist no matter what you say our company isn't racist no matter what you say um I, I just wonder what would happen if we removed the power from these people by not responding to their demands for not just apologies but for cancellation
0: yeah that would be really an amazing experiment i feel like there's yeah. so many things in our society that if we just ignore them would go away yeah um uh let me give one more before you leave uh your last show was about uh, the supreme court ruling that came yeah. out um and I th- you know, I, we share, I think, the same view in that I, mean, I, I don't want anybody getting fired because they're gay. I mean, I, I, like that's not wh- where where I want the world to be. However, on the other side, there is a process here. We had an opportunity for, you know, a, a decade. People tried to pass through this exact thing through legislative means. Right. And uh, we are now getting to the point where the Supreme Court saying, yeah, you guys probably should have passed that one. So let's just do it for you. Yeah. That is not the way our, our republic is set up.
2: No, it's not. And we can't even have conversations about this, because if you say what you just said that, hey, this is not really whether or not it's okay to discriminate against someone or whether or not you would discriminate against someone, it's whether or not this is the role of the court to do so. And what I I think that conservatives have tried and failed to get liberals to do when it comes to them cheering on these kind of uh, judicial activist uh, positions and decisions is to think about if the roles were reversed, if the roles were reversed, where we had been trying to conservatives have been trying to pass legislation that liberals didn't like. So we just took it to the activist courts and they ruled in our favor. You guys would be mad and you should be mad. That's why we have the Constitution, because it's not a political document. It's supposed to uh, protect the power or to to protect really uh, all of our views in a way that's fair. And so um, that is something that they're unable to do because, you know, leftism is an ideology. Conservatism is a set of principles. And so they're always going to bring a, a gun to a knife fight, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. And I don't really know the solution for it. Hopefully, I do think Gorsuch, like, he's probably going to make other decisions that we really like. Yeah, I, I like think Gorsuch that, generally. Yeah, I think that he applied the textualist principle in the wrong way here Um, but I don't think that you know he is now some loon bag leftist he's not
0: Roberts uh, who I'm totally done with at this point Allie thank you so much for for having me important enough to change the world Unlike oh, yes. these little people out there.
2: Well, you know, <laughs> I
0: try. Yeah, and maybe the solution to all this stuff is just more videos. Just, you know, just constantly repeating phrases and videos. That would solve I, all of I issues.
2: wouldn't put it past us. <laughs>
0: all right, Allie, thanks for coming on the program. Allie Bestucki, host of Relatable right here on Blaze TV and author of the upcoming book, You're Not Enough, and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. Be sure to pick it up this August. That's pretty exciting. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, and also be sure to watch this show as well as Relatable and a ton of others on Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com slash stew use the promo code STU because that's how they know you like this stupid show and they'll take 10 (laughs) bucks off ali thanks for coming on thank you back in a second if you're watching on youtube make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite provider if you're on podcasts, make sure to subscribe to youtube do all the things all the things for america remember that